Hello and welcome to the WOT Sports Podcast for Sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on champions of women's sports on and off the field of play. I'm Elaine Buckley and for this episode I'm joined by the all-star fullback of Dublin's three-in-a-row All-Ireland champions, Neve Collins. Neve, you're very welcome to the W. Hope the off-season has been treating you well. Thanks for having me, Elaine. Uh, yeah, it definitely has. Uh, having a good time. What's the uh, what's the aftermath of Sunday the 15th of September being like? If you could cast your mind back to that final whistle in the monsoon in Croke Park. Yeah, I, it was like the moment after that match, I almost felt like, oh my God, thank God that's over. But, uh, you know, the days that unfolded afterwards were pure magic. Um, I think, you know, what happened in the city just with the men's final being replayed on the same weekend just meant that there was just incredible atmospheric build up. Just I think the whole city was just literally bleeding blue. And uh, uh, we just got such a good reception from, you know, everyone we went everywhere we went in the in the few days after everyone was talking about us. Everyone was so happy to have us. Yeah, it was it, it was really brilliant. It was really special. Three in a row. Is that something that you could have possibly envisioned no I kind of made the joke before like that we you know I was on the team for like the dreaded three in a row um so to get the one that you know you're really searching for um there did there definitely was a point over the last couple of years you know between 2014 and 2016 that I thought good god are we ever actually going to get over the line or is this just gonna keep happening so to have gone and been successful in 2017 to be able to recreate it in 2018 which I think for us was was really important we really felt like you know the win in 2017 we needed to know that we could do it but we really really needed to know that we could recreate it and you know to show that it wasn't just a once-off that we were a team that were champions and then to get the third in a row to get the three was yeah really special didn't know didn't think would ever happen really glad it did three different three very different finals three different opponents as well mm-hmm. which is I suppose new for football to have you know Mayo 2017 getting the better Cork in 2018 and Galway this year for you as a player Neve, having three All-Ireland medals in your back pocket but three that were earned in very very different ways mm-hmm. do you have a favourite? So each year kind of had its own like ups and downs and challenges. So like 2017, you know, to get over the first one, obviously the euphoria and just the relief in that one was like nothing else. 2018, to beat the rivals that had beaten me so many times before, the one that was almost the monkey on our back, that was next level. Um, And then 2019, we had a lot of setbacks in the camp, you know, we had a lot of injuries um, and the team was quite interchangeable, um, you know, one or two retirements coming into that year. So the team maybe had a quite a different colour to what we had expected it to have coming into the season. Um, and it's not that that brought a nervousness or anything, but it did bring a little bit of an uncertainty. So to be able to have overcome all those challenges and setbacks and to still have gotten over the line... Um, I thought was a whole different kind of satisfaction in another way. You know, it was a real methodical season. We really trained for what we knew was coming and we really put things into place. And to see that work out was, was really satisfying as well. Do I have a favourite though? Um, 
like the final in 2019 was a little bit unsatisfying just because of the conditions. I still think 2018 was 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 a really good time. It was a really it was a gorgeous day. We were just so up for it. I thought I thought it was a great display of football. So maybe 2018, but I loved them all. <laughs> 2019 was fraught with very poor conditions, very mm. torrential rain for the entire thing. I've heard a couple of players remark that they were disappointed with the spectacle that was produced on the day. But, you know, the way I saw it was two teams with very tactical plans that set out to lay down a marker. So, yes, it wasn't thrills and spills, but it was an absolute battle, though. It was an absolute battle, but I think one of the things we've always been trying to push, um, you you know, particularly since Mick came into the panel, um, is, you know, the skill of ladies football. And I think it's something we've really improved on from, you know, the 2014 panel I came into to the 2019 panel I was just involved in. Like our skill level has really come on. It's, um, you know, it's almost like different you know a different sport in in some um aspects and i just think we weren't a we we weren't able to showcase those skills as well i mean as a defender it was a day for us i mean we were able to put our bodies on the line and stop balls coming in um but in terms of moving the ball and the skills we'd really worked on for so long it was so hard to pull them off on the day so i think that's kind of where the disappointment came from a little bit you know the final, I suppose, is our showcase piece in ladies football. We got obviously great support in the semi-final, uh, the 10,000, you know, 9,000 more than any other year we've had. But all eyes are kind of on ladies football for the All-Ireland final. It's the one where people actually turn and pay attention to it. Uh, so you do, in a way, want to showcase your sport on that day because you know, well, this is building and we know how good it can be. So you want everyone else to see how good it can be. That added responsibility that is often put on women's sports in particular. Does that sit okay with you? Does it annoy you? Or are we hopefully working towards a day where that's actually not a factor? I think I think we are definitely hopefully working towards a day where that's not a factor. I mean, I'm seeing the young girls come through now and they are so skillful. And it's because they've been coached slightly differently, probably to how my age group were and maybe age group slightly younger than me when we were kids you know a lot more emphasis is put on um you know their skills when you know they're younger now uh, and not just letting girls skip training because they're girls and you're seeing it come through you're seeing players like Quivo O'Connor on the ball or Neve Neve Hetherington like catching the ball in the air you know skills that those 19 year olds mightn't have had 10 years ago so I think we are working towards a day um when you know, that won't matter when you don't have to be the, you know, the best you can be just to prove that you are uh, any good. Uh, but f- where we are right now, I it doesn't bother me. I actually kind of find it exciting. I find it a challenge, you know what I mean? Because I know it's within us and I know it's coming. Um, so it's nice to be able to, you know, see something build. And the more hard work you put in, the more it's actually paying off. And, you know, people starting to pay attention is hopefully because they're seeing that because they're saying oh this is entertaining this is worth uh, watching you know so you reckon a lot has changed since you would have come into the panel as an under 14 in the underage setup in Dublin things have probably changed at the underage levels as well absolutely I think the underage levels are being organized a lot better uh, I was even speaking to uh, an under 16 
on Saturday I was at an event in Elvery's with Siobhan McGrath and an under 16 had come along lovely girl she comes to all our matches um, and we were talking to her just about you know how she's kind of moved up throughout the underage and it does seem that you know they're organising them a lot better they're focusing a lot more on skills the teams are you know I think even the championship that they have is a lot more competitive than it might have been when I was a teenager and that's just the natural evolution of the way things are you know it's 15 years along um but it, it's really showing and you know I think um you know by the time these 16 year olds are 26 I think you know we could have a real a real big sport in our hands I was looking the other day, Neve, just back at some of the team sheets of the All Ireland Finals, and like it's interesting to look at the 2014 one in particular on the bench yourself, Alwyn Carey, Nicole Owens, like you know, real top calibre players. How difficult was it for you to stake a claim on a starting 15 jersey to really break into the team? Yeah, it took years. Like, uh, I mean, I originally came into the panel briefly in 2011 and then came back, went, kind of went into college and took a break. So really came into it properly in 2014. Uh, and I mean, I think I was number 30 or 29 in that All-Ireland final. And then, you know, the following year, maybe number 25. And then I might have got on the following year for 10 minutes. So, it, I mean, it took years to break into the team. It It's not something that happens for everyone overnight. You know, there are some players who come through the ranks uh, straight away just pure talent and are on are on the panel at 18 and more power to them but for a lot of us um, you know it took a long time we actually had a WhatsApp group uh, for kind of a couple of the players my age you know uh, we used to call it like the up and coming dub subs and uh, it was now was players like Martha Byrne myself Nicole Owens you know who are all you know, pretty established now, but for a long period of our life, you know, it, it was trying to break into the team. So, yeah. Bit of a jersey swap this year as well. You moved to a full-time fullback, I think is probably fair to say. How did you find that? Yeah, full-time fullback. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not fussy about where I play in defence, but fullback is, I find, the most mentally challenging position Um you know, in the six for me anyway, physically, you're not you're not exerting yourself to the same um, level as, you know, number five, number six or even the corners are because they're generally tend to be doing a lot more, you know, bursting runs out, supporting off the shoulder. But in fullback, a lot of the time your mind in the house and your brain just has to be fully engaged at all minute, every minute of every second. So I love it. I, I find it. It's really challenging in a really different way, um, and yeah, I I think it I think it went well this year. I I I really enjoyed playing there. Like it does just carry so much responsibility. It really does. But I suppose Dublin's defence had a lot of change this year. So not only did you move position, but I suppose the stalwarts around you kind of shifted as well. With Leah Caffrey going off, travelling, mm-hmm. Sinead Finnegan taking the year out. Was it difficult to settle into it? We actually had a really good unit um, this year with the backs and, you know, Kira Trant would be a real leader there as well. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't feel half as confident doing some of the things you do to get a ball without her voice in my ear. Do you know, she really guides and leads us. Um, and I think, you know, we we set up in a way that like when somebody's kind of brought into the backs that, you know, 
they they learn from people like Goldie or from people like Martha or hopefully from people like me about how we work as a unit. And I mean, you saw players like Ava Rutledge come into the back six this year and not only fit in and work well, but be probably one of the best cornerbacks, I, I, you know, I'd seen ever. Like, I, I just think Ava is phenomenal and she just gave so much energy to the other uh the other defenders that it was wonderful um but yeah no we we did we lo- we lost a lot but i think what we gained and the way we set up as a unit uh you know people can can move in and out and um you know it still works how much work do you do analysis wise i know it's become a huge part of of every sport but it's it's the unseen for those of us who watch football so for example going out in an all ireland semi final or a final if you have a good idea or if Mick has in mind who you're going to pick up, how do you go about preparing for that? Yeah, I suppose analysis is one of those things that like some people find it overbearing and some people find it really useful. I just the nature of the person I am, the nature of the job I have, find it really helpful. I just like I don't like unknowns. I like to know what's coming for me. I like to know if a player is going to fake left and go right because most of the time, if that's what they do, you know, in the video, they're probably going to do it when they come up against you as well. So I would generally tend to watch a good bit of the person I think I'm going to be marking just for my own mental preparation. Um, But Mick and his backroom team also put in a lot of work for us. They... Um, they really are super and like in preparation for some of our games this year we might have been paired with um, a member of the management who would have you know picked out some clips for us to watch and kind of said look out for this thing that this player is doing uh, here's some examples of it and then you can go away yourself and look at look at them throughout the match and say oh yeah there she's doing that again so a lot of work might be done by individual players if that's how they feel, like if that's what they feel like they need. But at the same time, uh, management really, you know, did a lot of the heavy lifting for us too, which was wonderful. Yeah, because it's interesting to watch then when a fullback goes gallivanting up the pitch, as we saw you do in the All Ireland semi final. I don't think anyone would have prepared for that <laughs> on uh, on um, on video analysis. Your your goal of the season contender that wasn't meant to be. That wasn't meant to be. Oh, that goal! God, they would still get laughs. Like we had our medal presentation um, there last week, and it, we'd done like a little compilation video of just the year. And uh, they put that one in and all the girls roar like they just they find it so funny. And because I think I was just so hard done by I was like, Maggie, I'm after running the whole way up the pitch. I'm a full back and you're not just give me the goal. And like I wouldn't have even minded. But like if it was a penalty, should it not have been a yellow card that anyway? Well, that's for another day. But uh, I was. um yeah the goal that couldn't be I didn't even know what I was doing then if I'm going to be honest the legs just took off and there I was at the end of the pitch <laughs> it was on course to be an absolute cracker it was uh I don't know maybe maybe being denied it will keep you grounded ah uh, yeah and look the penalty worked out well because I think there was 90 seconds left so you know Sinead stepped up took the penalty that gave me like 30 seconds to get back and try catching my breath again so I think uh you know all's well that ends well can be a long old year, Neve, when you're playing college, club, and county as well. Um, how do you find getting back to club football so soon after? Because you've had what six years of All Ireland finals with county now, and a lot of success with with club as well. So you've about a week to turn around after lifting Brendan Martin and getting back. 
in with the club. Yeah, like, and I think with, um, you know, with the Dublin ladies team, you might say like, oh, victim of your own success almost. But um, yeah, there has been challenging years um, for sure. Uh, so I think there's been a couple of seasons where the club semi-final has been as close as five days from the All-Ireland final. So you go out and you celebrate on your Sunday and then maybe again on your Monday. And then I think it was two years ago we had club semi-final on the Friday. Um, now this year it wasn't quite so bad. It was it a was, uh, full eight days later. But still, it's mostly for me, what I have found challenging is, you know, the the mental tiredness because you build up so much towards this goal for, you know, nine months of the year um, with a brief interlude for club, you know, which is great in June. It's it's brilliant that we get to do that and we get to go back to the clubs for a while. But then you're building up towards an All-Ireland final and, you know, all your focus and all your energy is more or less on this. You know, our jobs almost become a side in, uh, you know, July and August. Uh, and then you, you are, you know, you reach the pinnacle, you're, you're successful and you're so relieved, you're so happy but then to actually have to turn around and, you know, refocus for club can be it can be really, really hard and really, really challenging. And I, I some feel, sometimes feel it's really unfair on the club girls because it might seem like we're not mentally there or that we don't want to be there. And it's it's not that at all. It's more that we're just fucking exhausted. <laughs> the semi-finals this year they were the Monday after the All-Ireland final and they mm. were played as a double header which was a new thing which was great mm. for people to go and watch them but I think seeing the two matches back to back really put into context just how many of the Dublin players are actually involved in this and mm. expected to go out and play in high stakes games and hard hitting games as well Thomas Davis ran you close Oh my God did they run us close yeah they were superb and you know, they knew exactly how to beat us. They pressed the kickouts. They um, they were really aggressive and really intense. And I think the only thing that was on our side with Fox Rock Cabantili was just a long experience and, you know, a, a lack of panic. I think if we'd have panicked in that situation, Thomas Davis would have ran away with it. They were 10 points up, I think, um, at one point. Um, so I think we managed to, you know, stay calm and not, not lose the plot. And we thankfully um brought it back to four points you know in a fairly short succession and then managed to eke it out and get over the line uh, and which was great for us to be honest having that match before heading into Kilmacud Croaks because Kilmacud Croaks are you know a force to be reckoned with and I mean they're all they probably have an average age of 23 you know they they have a lot of legs in them and I think if we hadn't had that match against Thomas Davis, the you know the final might have might have had a different result, uh, so it definitely kind of woke us up as a panel, and it probably woke the Dublin girls up a little bit as well. You know, you kind of have to be like, well, we need to snap back into action now. Um, so it was a good thing, and I think you know it was a great thing for Thomas Davis as well. They're brilliant side, the likes of Alwyn, Kira, and Siobhan. You know, people like them working so well together. Uh, great thing for Dublin football, you know. Mighty six-day rest then before you had to go out and play the final in Parnell Park. You mentioned Croke's youthful exuberance there. It was an absolute cracker of a game. I know it probably wasn't as much fun to be to be in it, but for the neutrals in Parnell Park, what a game. 
I actually found it really enjoyable. I really liked it because when we play croaks, we actually all lose our minds, both us and them. Like, it's just, we really go at it. It's a complete local derby, you know, and any friendship relationships you have on that pitch are put on hold for 60 minutes. Um, But it was a really good game of football. And again, this is kind of one... The one I'm talking about, I think that was a game where skill really, really showed. You know, it it wasn't the best conditions ever, but we managed to have quite a skillful game. And, you know, there was some really good scores from both sides. And to get a buzzer beater equaliser on the 60th minute, like, I think if I'd lost that game, I might have had a different opinion talking about it now. But like it was, it was incredibly exciting and uh again a good showcase for ladies football and exactly what we would have wanted to have won on the back of going into a Leinster championship you know it was it was great hell of a journey that fox cab have been on what how long have you been involved with the club so i joined fox rock when i was 8 so that would have been about 2000 um and then we merged to fox rock cab and Teeley in 2005 so been involved in the underage since then and been on the senior team since I was about 17. So about 11 years. So first senior championship in 2012 and then going on to win five in a row and five Leinsters in a row since. When you get out of Dublin and in, into the business end of, of the All-Ireland Championship, it wasn't meant to be this year against eventual finalists Kilcarran and Clonburn, but the competition is on fire in, in the All-Ireland Club Championship. What was your take on how it panned out? Did the right team win? Yeah, the right team won. Like they were, um, they were emphatic winners. I think on the day, you know, goals win matches. They scored five goals. Disappointing for us because we're not usually a team that lets in five goals. But then again, your opponents, you know, take it to you. And if they can score five goals in a match, then yeah, they were absolute deserved winners. Um, on the day, and I think what they brought to the All-Ireland final against Moran Abbey was, you know, showed it even more so. I mean, that was a phenomenal match to watch. Again, really exciting football was played there. Would have loved to have been there myself, but I, you know, Clonburn, I think we're definitely deserved, deserved All-Ireland finalists. You probably would have been Mark and Noel had you been in that final. Yeah, it would have been a bit awkward. I've played against her before in clubs, no problem. <laughs> I've no problem turning that off when you're on the club, when you're on the club pitch. You made a return to the college field again this year, O'Connor Cup to start the year off. How are the legs at the end of this long season? Yeah, how are they? So, yeah, they, the legs aren't too bad. I'm only 27. Like, <laughs> um, the legs, the legs aren't too bad, to be fair. We're, um, we're taking real good care of in the Dublin setup. You know, Ken really does try to look after us and make sure that we're not, um, you know, we're not in bits. It, it's it's more the head, I think, that, that I've found can be, you know, challenging. The the switching between teams and the, cons- the constant season, as I, you know, might refer to it over the past five years. Um, the that that's probably the most the most challenging part, you know, the mentally um, the mental energy. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'd say has been tough. Does it get on top of you at times? How do you manage that? Yeah, I suppose having people kind of who are literally in the same boat as me, like, you know, Goldie would have been, you know, by my side for, you know, all the Fox Cab Dublin stuff. And you kind of you kind of bring each other through it as well. And at the end of the day, you do want to be there and you want to win more than anything else. It's it's kind of being honest with your management as well. 
uh, you know, I took a break um, to go visit my sister there f- for a week and a bit uh, during October. And it's something I really needed. You know, I needed to step away and I just spoke to Peter about it and he was completely fine with it. He completely understood. And I came back with a new lease of life. Now, it wasn't to be at the end of the day, but I think if I hadn't had that mental break, you know, and then going back into work, um, you know, it, it would have been it would have been a lot more challenging. So it's it's kind of just being honest with your management. You know, they're, you know, at the end of the day, this is our hobby. This is what we choose to do. It's we're not getting paid fifty grand a week to do it. You know, so the more honest and open you can be about, you know, just feeling mentally tired or feeling um like you need to step away even for five or six days, um, you know, the more receptive people will be towards you, and sometimes that can just make the world a difference. You know. Player welfare is obviously something that's become that you're quite passionate about. Um, having gotten involved with the WGPA for the first time this year, with as part of a new executive back in January, how has that experience been? Yeah, it's been really eye opening, uh, particularly as a player. You know, hearing other players' experiences because, um, you know, my experience can be very, very different to someone else's experience. In particular. The girls that are traveling, um, you know, the length and breadth of the country to go to training like that's something that I've just felt is is, uh, you know, really needs to be highlighted, especially, you know, the lack of expenses that those players are getting. You know, there was a girl on my UCD team, you know, traveling up and down to Donegal every weekend, every Friday afternoon and coming back very, very late on Sunday. And then sometimes you know, she was, you know, she was going midweek and it's because she wanted to be there. It's, be, it's you know, she wasn't being made to do anything. It's it's something that she wanted, but I was just blown away by it, um, by the commitment that these players are giving. But then, you know, the, because the funds aren't there, they're not giving anything back. And, you know, players are ending up kind of out of pocket um, as a result. Uh, so I think it's something that, you know, all the players uh, would really get behind. And I think it's something that the WGPA have been, um, you know, really good about, you know, going after um, it on behalf of the players. And, you know, hopefully we'll start to see something unfold eventually in the future for that. What drove you, Neve, to, to step up and, and get involved? Because you've just been talking about how hectic your schedule is. It's, it's another thing to give back to the game. What What gave you the nudge? Um, well, I originally got the nudge because I went on a trip to represent the WGPA and just from talking uh, to Gemma Bagley, the full time you know, employee of the WGPA and just listening to everything that, you know, they do on behalf of the players, stuff that I actually wasn't completely aware of beforehand. I just thought it was it was a brilliant organization and I felt like. Um, it's something I really would would have liked to have been involved in, and I said to them at the time, you know, if if anything ever came up, I'd I'd love to be involved. And a position on the executive came up, and um, yeah, I, I put my hand up for it just because mostly I just think it it's fascinating. I think it's uh it's an area where there's a lot the WGPA uh can do to help, and I think the players the more they become aware of the services that are there you know the more the ball will get rolling and it's growing every year um you know offering things like coaching and counseling and you know all these uh, scholarships and all these additional programs that can just help them on and off the field um i just thought it was a great thing to be involved in and um yeah really proud to be to be with them what are the biggest issues facing players 
at the moment now after your years involvement with the organization what do you feel are are the constant ones that crop up Hmm, that's a good question I mean I guess I guess the feedback like that has seemed to come through or from the player representative meetings that I've been at is how players feel when they get injured you know dealing with injury and you know it's or it's quite a difficult process I think you know mentally having to deal with being on the sideline but then you're also you know financially making sure that you're covered and that uh, everything is you know that you're not going to be left incredibly out of pocket with injury Um, I think dealing with you know, as we said, the time management, the the aspect of having to be in college and travel up and down to their respective counties. I think players can, you know, be quite mentally challenged with, with those issues. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of the main ones, you know, at the, at the end of the day, this is our hobby and we're doing it because we love it. But, you know, we, we do make a commitment to our counties and we do make a commitment to our teams and people, not they feel obligated, but they are going to make that extra journey. And sometimes it can be quite exhausting or sometimes it can be quite difficult. So I suppose it's being there to support, even just to listen, you know, they have a free counselling service. That's one of the things I think that can help players the most. It's going to be a lot of change in football next year um, with the revamped championship, I suppose. First of all, two elements from it, from from a Dublin point of view, the demise of the Leinster championship for 2020. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it's a bit disappointing, I think, being de facto Leinster champions because the Leinster championship is something we relished throughout the years you know it's it's always been an incredibly tough battle between us and Westmead we've come out on top set for the past seven years or so and that makes it look like it wasn't maybe but like it has I mean they were you know they were winning in the most recent Leinster final up until about 25 minutes ago and a couple of sin bins you know turned it our way and, and we got over the line so the Leinster final was always something, you know, we really used as a springboard for our championship and was really, really important to us. Um, so to see the gap now between the end of the league and uh, the beginning of our championship is it's a little bit daunting. I think it's about two months. That's a long time to be playing yeah. in-house, in-camp matches really, isn't it? Yeah, we're killing each other. <laughs> and then the All-Ireland Championship itself, the new format is going to see, obviously, the round robin came in a couple of years ago to varying levels of success. This year's championship was was really, really entertaining, really gripping. Next year's is going to see two groups of six with the top two in each pool advancing straight to a semi-final. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I do like the round robin stuff because it means you're getting exposure to, you know, a, a few more matches. I do, I do like playing the round robins. This, these are these are bigger groups. There's probably a little bit more pressure. There's probably a little bit less room for kind of maneuvering your team about and and giving people legs in the championship because you can't really afford to lose much if you only want to be the if you want to be in the top two and six. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it will give. We need to give it a year and and see how it goes. I I suppose the thing the thing that bothers me the most is being defunct our champions and going straight into a group because. You're going to be coming in against, you know, Munster teams who have been playing each other, you know. So Tipperary will be playing Cork, we'll be playing Waterford, we'll be playing Kerry. So, you know, they're they're brilliant matches. They're brilliant warm-up matches. So they're coming in, you know, really practised. So, I I mean, I guess we'll give it a year. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd hope that an alternative is arranged in the future for, for, uh, for Leinster. The alternative is 
probably reliant on a Leinster team winning the intermediate All-Ireland Championship this year, though, in reality, given that that's the reason it's been taken away. Do you feel that if teams, say, for example, Tipperary last season, if teams win the intermediate All-Ireland final, come up to senior, are more than holding their own, should we be encouraging more teams to be up senior or continue this cycle of keeping it at 12 teams and relegating teams? I think you should always be encouraging teams to come up to senior. I mean, at the end of the day, you always want to be pushing your team one step further and winning intermediate is a phenomenal achievement. Don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way belittling that at all. But I can only imagine the Tipperary girls want to now come up and compete in senior. You know, they, I can't imagine that they're just happy with having won that. I mean, they're a brilliant team, so they're going to come out and compete hard and compete fast next year. And I think, you know... It, just in the case with with the Tipperary team I think when it is sometimes a big jump up to senior and maybe teams who are brought up should almost be given a grace period of a year where they can't be relegated again because sometimes it just takes a year to settle you know into the new senior championship so it was a pity to see them go back down now they've obviously won again which was which was brilliant for them but uh yeah I think you know the more teams we have playing senior the more competitive it can be I think intermediate's a brilliant, you know, structure we have to bring teams up because I think sometimes teams need time to rebuild. You know, they need an intermediate then gives them gives them that and you get to go to Croke Park and you win an All Ireland final and it gives teams the confidence to say, Yeah, we have this, we can go on into senior and play and win. But Joe, you'd want to see more teams come up and it was a pity Meath uh, for Meath because, you know, it would have been great to see Meath come up to Leinster. So then that wouldn't have, you know, this wouldn't have happened for for us. That might be sound selfish, but um, that's not only why you'd want them to come up. You know, for Leinster football, you want Leinster football to go on and to, to thrive. So, yeah, it, it, I guess this year will be an interesting one for us. There'll be a nice bit of consistency in 2020 for the Dubs, though, with Mick Bone announcing that he's he's staying on for another year. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're all absolutely delighted and relieved to hear that. Like Mick is, um, Mick has brought uh, another level to this team and not only uh, the way he looks at the game, but the backroom team that he's built. You know, I might be biased, but I think the defenders coach are, are just, you know, some of the best um, in the country they really just organised us so well and communicated with us so well and that all comes from Mick do you know he you know he's you know obviously at the top at the top of the pile and then his management team underneath so yeah looking forward to another year it's 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 great to have consistency as well do you know you, you know it's good moving into the new year kind of knowing your surroundings i guess we saw quite an early glimpse of Mick with the blue sisters documentary that was all access like that was tearing strips off people in the dressing room at halftime of matches like it was full on it was the kind of access that you don't get in many sports documentaries Mm. he seems to run a very very tight ship but command the utmost respect from his players yeah and I think it's because uh, he's also very receptive to us talking to him like as I as I said to you there like the more open and honest you can be with your management the more receptive they'll be to you and the management team are, are very receptive to our feedback and you know we can come to them ourselves or we can go through other players on the team whatever you're comfortable with and you know you give respect get respect it's it, it really just is as simple as that how did you find the process of that documentary Neve? was it did you notice the cameras were you for it were you against it yeah so we would have talked about it before we agreed to it and you know 
have to have full buy-in for everyone being comfortable with this uh, happening because it, it was a bit of a gamble. Like we lost three in a row. We, you know, the filmmakers were coming in and this film was going to be made whether we won or whether we lost. And did we really want to have a potential other loss <laughs> recorded for all time? Um, so we all agreed that, yeah, look, let's go for it. Let's let's do it. It'll be good for the sport. It could be good for the team. And for the first month, yeah, you kind of did notice the cameras. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, you had these big, massive uh, television cameras at training twice a week. But after a while, you, you got to know the guys behind the cameras um, and you got to know the crew that was there and they were on the bus all the time and they kind of just became part of the the background scene you know you've you've so many managers and physios and whatnot popping around anyway that just these cameramen were just also part of the team so by the end I think they were really actually getting quite a natural you know us really in our natural habitat because we just you know we forgot that they were there so yeah I think the documentary was quite true to who we were as a team. I feel it did a lot for showing the public women's football, showing them the standard, the sheer volume of effort that goes into it completely on a par with with men's county teams. But again, the responsibility was on the players to give that access. And it's it's not something that's taken lightly, but it has really, really helped with with coverage of, of the game to give that kind of insight two years on now. How do you, where do you think coverage of women's football is at? Where do I think it's at? Well, it's definitely accelerated massively since I was, you know, first involved in 2014. Like I don't have the facts and figures, so I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make them up on the spot. But I mean, even, um, you know, what would have been written pre 2014 All Ireland final versus what's happening now. I mean, I did a. A feature length interview with, with the Irish Times before um, I think it was our All-Ireland semi-final like I don't know how frequent they you know they would have been uh, six or seven years ago um, and certainly you know the coverage definitely has to be linked to the uh, the attendance because I mean we were probably only in the 30,000s you know maybe less than 10 years ago and to see 57,000 turn up I mean they're not coming out of nowhere it's definitely increased and I think you know the 2020 campaign has a massive part to play in that I think we still have a ways to go I think sometimes you can still be you know the the corner end of the back page you know about uh, certain matches and uh, a question I was asked recently at a, a panel was you know, how do I feel about the attendance at our, uh, you know, earlier games in the season? And I think the same could be said for the media coverage of those games. Like some of those games are probably some of the better games in the year. Do you know, we don't only play one game at the end of the year. We play eight games throughout the season. So I think it'd be great to see a little bit more attention given to those earlier games because it could spark interest a little bit sooner and then, you know, get the ball rolling earlier rather than the kind of the big push in August for let's let's break the record again. It's great that the record's being broken. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely not complaining. It's wonderful to see that. And I think, you know, people are starting to see that this is a sport worth supporting and worth entertaining. But I think if we could start it all a little bit earlier, if people were 
you know, who have an interest could come along to the earlier games, I think they'd be really pleasantly surprised. And I think the media coverage would go a long way to that. You mentioned the 2020 campaign there, Neve. You are kind of an anomaly in that you had very visible role models in your sport when you were very young. Yeah, well, I, the, my first memory of, um, like real memory of uh, ladies football was the 2003 uh, All-Ireland final so I would have been about 11 so would have been a supporter but like this was like the first time you were going and you were bleeding blue wanting them to win the All-Ireland final and uh, Mick was actually the manager at the time and they were playing Mayo and uh, yeah we lost by a point like last minute goal and I remember actually just being devastated like the ground swallowed me up I was so sad and uh, and I was like a little bit on the fence uh, at that point. I think I was in like fifth class about where I was going to go to secondary school at the time. Was I going to go to the kind of the school? My school was a feeder school too, which was Loretto. Or was I going to go to Cloche Scon? And I was like, no, dad, I need to go to Cloche Scon because I need to be able to speak Irish. So if I ever play on the Dublin ladies team and I accept the trophy, I'll be able to say it in Irish, even though it's a sentence. <laughs> but yeah, like it just made such a big impression on me that it, you know, it, it, it paved the way for me to go to the secondary school that I went to, which at the end of the day, you know, was a really big factor in my career. I, played basketball like really quite seriously there um and football as well you know probably to a higher standard than I would have in the other school um which I don't doubt had an impact on my career overall so yeah I mean it's just it's one of those like small stories that like I can remember it really impacting me so I can see how this campaign is so important because paved my career in that one weird little moment in 2003 um so I'd like to think that we're hopefully doing the same for other 10 year old little girls who are coming to our alarm finals well we'll look forward to much more top-notch football action in, <laughs> in 2020 when is Mick gonna have you back in training uh we're heading away to Berlin for a couple of days in January uh the team uh together so I assume sometime after that that's good. Get the holiday in first and then hit the hard yards. Yeah. <laughs> Neve, thank you so much for coming in and joining us. Very much appreciated and wishing you the best for the rest of your off season. No problem. Thanks for having me. Spread the good word of the podcast by sharing this episode on social media and don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get our next episode immediately on release.